Our Great Women in Fraud guest today is Marcy Phelps. She is the second librarian to be on Great Women in Fraud. I spent a lot of time in libraries growing up. I will always support libraries for any tax or bond measure. You will hear how Marcy has created a career out of her degree in library science. You may have a mental picture of libraries, but Marcy will tell you about her progression from starting out to creating a business that is so important, but also incredibly fulfilling to her. I can't wait to get out and travel again and see Marcy at the next Osmosis Conference. Let's get started. We are here today with, I want to say, a longtime friend, colleague, and just amazing, amazing person, Marcy Phelps. And Marcy Phelps is a certified fraud examiner, but um, I'm going to let her talk about her background. And let me tell you, it, it has to do with books. So Marcy, why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs> well, um, thanks, Kelly. This is really nice. Um, so Marcy Phelps and my company is Marcy Phelps and Associates. And I've uh, been in business for um, 21 years now. And I actually started my business. And what Kelly's referring to is uh, straight out of graduate school, where I um, got my master's in library and information science. And um, I always knew I wanted to get a master's in library and information science, but I always knew that I didn't really want to work in a library in a traditional sense. So actually, there aren't a lot of books in my background. Um, my first library gig was as a virtual librarian for the first online MBA program and uh, accredited online MBA program. So to have a library in order to be accredited. So we somehow created a library. Um, <laughs> and that was way before Zoom. <laughs> it's way before Zoom. So an electronic library was kind of cool back then. Um, but um, that was my first client. They actually came to me and said, hi, do you want to do this contract work? And I was like, oh, okay. Um, if they're going to pay me to stay home and do research, who else will as well? And um, because research was my niche in my um, MLS, MLS program. And um, that's what I like to do. So um, I started my business. Um, and at that time, it was uh, doing research and analysis on people and companies, uh, but it was for marketing purposes. I did research and analysis for marketing professionals for many years. And then about seven years ago, I don't know, um, eight years ago, um, a private investigator found me and asked if he, I could help him do a research. Um, he had someone who did his uh, news and social media research, but he retired and he needed someone else. And I started and um, it was like fascinating work. I just loved what he did. I loved the kind of work he did. He specialized in hedge fund due diligence. 
investigations and it was a lot of fun. And he encouraged me to become a private investigator. And about that time, Colorado was reintroducing law, uh, that uh, the requirement to get a PI license. Um, so I got licensed and uh, this uh, gentleman, Chuck, taught me um, everything he was doing. And um, that was the point that my business took the turn from market research and intelligence to more investigative work. And um, so uh, that, was, that was quite a turning point for me. Um, as far as fraud goes, uh, I always noticed at PI conferences, um, when I met PIs who were also um, certified fraud examiners, I was fascinated by, um, to hear about their work. Their work intrigued me. So I got my um, DFE credential maybe four years ago, something like that. And I remember talking with you about you were considering it and I was like, go get it. So I think it yes. was like five or six years ago because I was at Nike when it happened. Mm -hmm. so. Yes, it was um, you encouraged me and several other PIs I spoke with, Hal Humphreys, um, encouraged me. And um, I, it's been, I think it's a great group. So I'm glad I, I took that. And fraud to me is um, kind of fascinating to work with. I work with it on two angles. Um, with due diligence, it's um, preventing fraud preventing my clients from going into business with fraudsters, hopefully. And then on the other side, the asset search, we're, we're looking for possible fraud there. Um, so um, that's pretty much been the long and winding road, I guess. Well, when I worked for a pension fund, um, and you know, this was decades ago, I said to the HR person, I'm like, do you guys do background checks? on the portfolio managers. And she's like, well, no, they'll never be able to access the cash. Like there's just, you know, there's systems in places. My thing was the reputational risk. And, you know, I went from there to becoming a special agent, but, and then I meet people like you and I just, it's a natural, if you have someone that, whether they can touch the money or not touch the money, the reputational risk is priceless as mastercard or visa says it's priceless that's a huge part of due diligence um is is taking a look at that uh, because that can affect so many different kinds of businesses um but i'd also argue that a portfolio manager def may not have their hands on the company's money but they have their hands on the client's money so you know it's it's we're we're investigating portfolio managers all the time and um we well, there was a great story in the newspaper just recently about um a hedge fund i believe it was two guys and they allegedly stole 1.8 billion as in boys billion dollars and they show pictures of him he's got like a lamborghini a maserati you know and so i send the article to my broker 
And I said, FYI, just want to check and see what kind of car you have. And she wrote back and she goes, we have a truck because it's the only car that will fit the crates for our two Great Danes. And I said, we're good to go. (laughs) And I know you always uh, talk about that. Take a look in the parking lot and see if the cars match the the job. And... um, you know, a lot of we do look for some extravagance, and um, it's it's usually a sum of the parts with our our uh, due diligence. Yeah, well, so. and it's also like a change in behavior. So if they like the, the broker that I had before, who just retired, and she took his place, he's always driven a truck, like a Toyota. Okay, eventually he slowly upgraded to a Lexus. I've known him for twenty five years. I know he can justify the Lexus, but if he goes from a truck, you know, because he lives lived on a farm to a Lamborghini, that's a big change. That's and that's, that's a big red flag. <laughs> that's yeah. a big red flag. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so you, um, I, I was going through uh, Twitter because you and I both love Twitter. Do you love Twitter as much as I love Twitter? I don't think so. I like Twitter as much as you. I like LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. Oh, we both love LinkedIn. Fan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but it, Twitter led me to one of your recent uh, blogs, and you have a thing about your superpowers. And um, <laughs> one of them being the reference interview. Do you want to talk a little bit about the reference interview? Yes. Um so just for a little context, it's what I call librarian superpowers, because some of the things I've learned as a librarian come in very handy nowadays in my um, investigative business. And um, well, it's always been um, handy. And librarians call it the reference interview. And we learned that early on because most people don't ask for what they really want or need, actually. And um, librarians have a joke that people are always sure it's a blue book and it turns out it's a red book, but <laughs> you, you catch the drift, right? So we get really good at um, digging and asking probing questions and, um, probably one of the the nicest compliments I ever got from a client was that I understood the why, what our clients needed and why. And that made our, my, uh, what I delivered to them that much more valuable. And that to me was a huge compliment. And I think it's a result of that um, superpower of knowing how to um, do the client interview and um, find out what clients really need um, and what would work if you can't find that because sometimes they have unrealistic expectations about what's available. So you have to know how to uh, pick what a good alternative would be. And that comes in handy too. Well, in the PI world, one of the, you know, unrealistic expectations is the bank statements, can't you? (laughs) Or, you know, you can find the bank accounts, can't you? And it's like, well, no, but we can find (laughs) other things. So, right. So, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Very useful. Um, Another sort of uh, superpower of yours is like databases. 
Right. Uh, that was another, that was one of my top librarian superpowers because as a, um, understand I didn't go back to grad school to become a librarian until after my kids were in high school. So I wasn't a librarian so much in the book age as much as the age of databases and Google, um, to be perfectly honest. So um, I learned how to um, use databases, teach other people how to use them. Um, I learned how to buy them, <laughs> select them um, within a very tight budget um, because libraries don't have big budgets, but big information needs. And um, so all this has come in really handy. And um, I think I'm pretty good at figuring out where information is um, might be and how to get it out, you know? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, databases, you could spend just so much money on them. Mm. And yes. um, they're, they're really important. Um, you know, people think Brian Willingham, who we both know and love, uh, he just wrote a thing about, you know, I think it was eight ways attorneys can learn how to Google better. Well, my mm -hmm. response is, I don't want an attorney Googling on the six minute increment because, just, <laughs> um, you know, it, it doesn't make sense financially to do it. And no, I, I'm going to say this right now, and no offense to attorneys out there, there is no attorney who can Google better than I'm going to say it, a librarian. Well, yeah, we all should focus on what we do best and <laughs> our strengths. And, um, you know, arguing in court is not one of mine, but let me add that database. Yeah. And yeah. I can probably get what, if it's there, I can usually figure it out. So you were on John Hoda's uh, PI podcast recently also, and I loved your 2021 sort of goals. Um, to network more, how are we going to network more with COVID? <laughs> You're being hopeful. I know I'm being hopeful too. I know. I was being very hopeful and 2021 hasn't quite gotten off as planned. Um, but um, I'm trying to do more of this, um, having conversations with my colleagues and um, um I do some um, speaking at um, virtual conferences now. So fortunately that's continued and it's not like connecting in person by any means, but it's a way of networking. And personally, LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn to me is such a valuable tool in as a professional um, for my network, for information it's yeah oh so. i found amazing sources that i could never find um if it weren't for linkedin i actually mm -hmm. uh a colleague who's also going to be on the podcast i just recorded hers the other day she just posted um about a company that uses ai and just did a report about covid and bad behavior so I immediately went to, you know, LinkedIn and I checked out the CEO and the CFO and I wouldn't have been able to do that in the past. Um, 
and you're pointing out an important part of networking. People always think of networking as a way to get business. But that's like maybe secondary at best. And I think the point of networking is to learn from and help each other. Uh, you know, um, it, it's mutual. A lot of people forget the social part of social networking. And um, so you have give and take and share and help each other. And, um, and then the business, you know, may or may not come after that. I've definitely gotten business from LinkedIn. Absolutely. Um, even mm -hmm. if they've heard about me some other way, mm -hmm. then they go to LinkedIn and they see the testimonials. They see there's a lot of content, the amount of connections, things like yes. that. So yeah. Now, another thing that you did um, recently and you want to continue into 2021 is your teaching. Do you want to talk about your courses? Oh, okay. Um this is this is really exciting because um, I, I have a background in education and I always have wanted to do some kind of teaching and be in a learning environment, but I hadn't clearly identified it. So um, now I have this opportunity. Um, see, and this is I met someone you helped me meet this person because you connected me to someone so I could be speaking at this conference where I met someone from um, a learning platform called Illumio, um, John Kogan over there, he's the CEO. And um, he asked if I'd be interested um, in perhaps being a speaker, uh, an instructor on their platform. and. It was very intriguing and um, because I really do like speaking, but frankly, all that travel even before COVID was becoming, you know, a little, not how I wanted to spend my time. And um, so this is an opportunity for me to create these online courses that are geared for, um, I guess their audience is more, um, you know, um, accountants, fraud professionals, internal controls, CFO type functions um, who need to get continuing education. And so uh, I, I've created two courses at this point. They, it's a little slower going than I had planned. Um, I'm working on my third. My first one is, was on due diligence background investigations. And the second one is how to search online public records like a pro. And, um, and now I'm working on one for news searching, how to search new online news. That's fantastic. Um, thank you. And I'm enjoying it. I'm actually enjoying uh, learning how to do this on an online platform, um, which is kind of new or was new. And um, and I really hope to keep doing more of it um, this year. That's that was one of my big goals this year. But I'm I'm afraid I get a little stuck on the recording part, being on camera part. <laughs> Well, that's funny because I was walking with my daughter yesterday, and I said, you know, I'm technically I teach, and she's like. <laughs> 
you teach adults. She goes, you could never teach children. She's like, you're so impatient. And I was like, well, <laughs> I've changed over the life. But it, it's because my husband is a professor of education. And um, oh. a long, long time ago, I thought, well, maybe I should become a teacher and we'd have the same sort of schedules and everything. It is the only time my husband has ever been negative towards a person being a teacher was me. He's <laughs> like, you don't have the constitution for it. But you know what? I found out I have a certain audience. And mm-hmm. also the passion of my topic, which wouldn't work in a school district. So no, it's it's definitely different kinds of learning and, and teaching, um, adult learning and non-adult learning. So um, I, I know I prefer working with grownups, too. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I could ever teach uh, public school anymore. So. Well, and I wouldn't like to correct homework. So, you know, this way, <laughs> online classes, we don't have to deal with that at all. <laughs> um, so if you, uh, what is one thing you wish you had known when you began your career? Oh, when I began my career, which one? <laughs> your most recent. The, the one I've had so many. Great women uh, fraud. Um, for fraud. Um, Oh, that's a tough one. I just haven't been in it that long, I feel like. Um, but I I want to tell myself that um, it's possible. It, it's it, because when I first started on in this, I it felt like a big pivot uh, for me to just be. Uh, Hi, I'm a private investigator. <laughs> now it was a it was a new group of people, and um, a whole new area I had to learn and, and network in, and um, it was frankly a little scary. And um, I think I would have told myself, you know, it's not like when you started your business 20 years ago with LinkedIn and uh, virtual um, connecting. It's so much faster. It's so much faster than it used to be. So I maybe shouldn't have been quite as scared. <laughs> <laughs> um. So who are the three people who have been most influential in your career? And I'm going to change that a little bit for you. Three people or, and or three sort of associations. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Um, yes. Well, I have an association and three people. Can I, because I, I thought about this question. Okay. And, um, so, and, and um, the first one is actually thankful, uh, uh, um, thankful to the Association of Independent Information Professionals, AIIP.org. Um, I met many, many wonderful people. And the focus of AIIP is if you own an information related business. So as a PI, that's information. And the focus is really owning a business as as a small business owner. Um, And I've met incredible people, my network and what I've learned. Um, And probably one person I want to mention who's had a huge influence is Mary Ellen Bates. 
um, as as a friend and a business coach, you know, uh, she was the one I heard, you know, that you can market a business even though you're an introvert. And uh, you don't have to go out and be a salesperson. You attract people to you by speaking and writing and sharing what you know. And that was, as you know, that's great advice um, in our business. Um, so Mary Ellen's had a huge influence. Um, Kim Doherty, um, who was my first client for that virtual library, um, and and then Chuck, um, Chuck Sullivan, the uh, PI, who encouraged me to be a PI because, oh my goodness, I just found my calling, you know, a little late in life maybe, but I, um, I've definitely found my calling. That's very cool. And I was a member of AIIP, thanks to you. And talk about an incredibly caring, sharing, giving community. And Mary Ellen, I have her book, The Reluctant Entrepreneur, because mm. people think I'm an extrovert, but really I'm not. <laughs> I can be an extrovert, but I prefer to be an introvert. So <laughs> totally, totally get that. Um, the next sort of question is, how do you continue to learn in order to stay on top? And I, I know the answer for you, but the audience, I want the audience to hear, because I know you're good at this. At learning? Yes. Um, well, I learned from my fellow PIs and uh, other fraud professionals. I think the ACFE is a fantastic organization. And um, the learning opportunities, if you, that you go to their website, they have every type of learning that you prefer on any given topic. So in any format that that, that you can take it in. Um, so that I read blogs, um, Brian Willingham, um, you know, you, I listen to your podcast and, and others. I, I mean, my, uh, podcast, um, app is just full of fraud podcasts these days, which is really nice. Um, Cynthia Hetherington, I take, I've taken courses from her um, and my AIP um, prof, um, colleagues. I, I can, we have an um, email discussion list that I can post a question to. And in 10 minutes, I'll have that many uh, responses. Um, and if you ever want to see something interesting, it's how different people would attack, uh, approach a research question it's yeah. really interesting so yeah so um, you're the second librarian i've had on the first one was cynthia of course um, so we're gonna have to find a third one and maybe it'll be mary ellen um oh yeah 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 um <laughs> this is kind of a I, I i don't know this answer for you at all if you could work in a different job field what would that be Boy, I really try, you know, people have asked me that question and I'm really having a hard time because maybe because it just took me so long to get to where here, where I, and I'm still in the, I just love this. I can't imagine what else I could possibly be doing. Uh, the only thing I might explore is 
what I what else I could do with my CFE? I, I, I'm just kind of learning, you know, what that brings to the table in, in with my clients. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to learn more about that, but being an investigator, I, I can't think of what else I would rather do. <laughs> same here. Absolutely same. Um, uh, this is a new question for the podcast and ah. um, just recently a new one because we've been in COVID. Is there anything, and it doesn't have to be related to fraud, that you are binging on like Netflix or HBO or anything like that, um, a series that you like or a movie that you like that you've binged since COVID and it may have to do with fraud, it may not. Well, I um, don't watch much on the screen because I'm in front of a screen all day long. So when I'm, uh, although um, my reading is, is on my Kindle, so I guess it's a different screen, but I, I don't watch Netflix or anything like that. My new um, thing is British uh, murder mysteries. Ooh, okay. So. <laughs> So, and I, I'm not sure I could even name, I've, I've been diving into so many different ones. I'm not sure who's who at this point, you know, which author is which. Um, but I've really, um, doing a lot of reading and, um, and um, yoga. Okay. Yo and yoga. I finally found somebody on YouTube that I follow and I've somehow gotten a daily practice going. So, which is kind of saving my sanity during COVID. So <laughs> during isolation. <laughs> um, can, do you have any sort of case story that you can say that you can sanitize about maybe due diligence for hedge fund that just, you were like, I can't believe that this person thinks that they can get away with this. Well, honestly, our, my due, our due diligence subjects are, are usually very squeaky clean. So, and, and sometimes when they, um, when there's a misstep, it's, it's, it may not seem like a big deal, but um, for like lying about where you got your degree. It's not that this guy didn't have the degree, but he lied about where he got the degree. He's instead of the actual state university, he, he would put he put he, on his bio and his signed authorization release for me to go verify. So a legal document that stated he got it from some prestigious university. So he's saying, yeah, go check. And here's where I got my MBA degree. But it wasn't where he got his MBA degree. It was at the state university. And um, you don't need an MBA even for at all to be a hedge fund um, portfolio manager. So my for my client, that was like, no, absolutely not. And by the end of the day, actually, they went to the, you know, 
these people and said, either he goes or we go with all of our clients' money. And um, at the end of the day, his name was off the website. It was, I don't usually see the results of my due diligence. So that was actually quite rewarding because she, she thanked me specifically for this. Well, so just now what I would do is I would find out where he ended up. Did you ever go look and see if he's like somewhere else? <laughs> uh, you know, I haven't. I, I never thought about it uh, after that. He's, um, you know, you just move on, you know, in investigations. You just <laughs> kind of go on to the next one. Um, but that one was, um, I, I just was just shocked that he would, that he he was also not a new person in his his career he he'd been around for a while and no one had clearly called him on this and so he must have felt very comfortable putting it on the release saying this other university well there was the um, admissions director at mit that she said that she went to a different school. She had taken classes at the different school, but she said, um, it's in a movie. She said, I didn't think they'd pay as much attention to me going to a women's Catholic school. So I just, she says, I just morphed my taking classes at a more prestigious school into that's where I got my degree. And, you know, she was unfounded for 28 years, but then when it blew up, it blew up badly. And that's that reputational risk that you, you talked about earlier. Um, that Because frankly, you don't need these degrees for most of these, you know, um, positions and probably nobody really would have cared where she got it from. Um, but people just feel the need to lie like that about something. It's a big red flag. What else are they going to lie about? And um, that's why my client had no tolerance for that. And, and that also sounds like the rationalization side of the fraud triangle there too. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So um, we're wrapping up here. Where can we find you? Where is best to find you online? Well, my website is marcyphelps.com, M-A-R-C-Y-P-H-E-L-P-S. Um, and you can also find me on LinkedIn. Okay. Okay. And uh, do you, you have your new course coming out. Do you have any sort of timeline for that? We'll also <laughs> provide a link to your Illumio courses. Okay. Thank you. Um, I'm hoping to get this done in the next couple of months. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Since we're all inside, well, we're not inside, but at least we're not traveling for conferences. You probably can get that done. I, I can. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks for motivating me. <laughs> and then is there one sort of last thing that you want to tell the community of great women in fraud that has led to your success? Oh, my goodness. Um, that's an interesting. Um, I think my network. Um, I, I just have to... Uh, you know, I think a lot of what's happened to me has come my way... Th through my network, I always say, oh, I never even tried, you know, and this came my way, but I did try in that I've always been um, very uh, diligent about growing um, and maintaining my network. 
and it's really come in handy in my fraud career. Yeah, network, lifelong learning. These are like everyone that comes on the podcast talks about that. You just can't stay in the same place. And we don't want to stay in the same place. I think oh, that everyone in the, <laughs> in the community wants to, you know, move forward. Mm-hmm. Maybe Absolutely. not move forward fast and break things, but we definitely want to move forward. So thank you so much, Marcy, for having your time out of your busy schedule to be on the podcast. And um, I look forward to having you back again. Well, thank you, Kelly. Much appreciated. Libraries, PIs, and hedge funds. So different than we have that mental picture of dusty old stacks and the kids listening to story time. You can have any career you want as long as you have Marcy's passion and curiosity. I have seen her career progress due in no part to her lifelong learning. She continues to inspire me. Be sure to reach out to her on LinkedIn and Twitter. Her blog is a must read. Thank you again for your time. I truly appreciate you and your support.